Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Hanging out with you where sports meets life. You're with us on YouTube.com and Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT and on WakeUpCallDT.Podbean.com. I'm always happy to be here for many years now, a decade time. I can't believe that. Can you believe it, Mike, that uh, we have American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco, that you and I have been either in the same room, on the phone, or picture-in-picture picture for a decade now. Yeah, it is hard to believe, Dan, and it's been a great decade. It really has, and uh, it didn't start particularly uh, well. You know, it didn't didn't have an auspicious start, but, uh, boy, it, it's developed nicely. But, yeah, you're right, 10 years. Well, we're all a bit older, but <laughs> a little more gray hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, and I, I did not have the goatee when we started. The goatee is, uh, I think, four years old in April. So I didn't have that in the beginning, have it now. But you know, I, I don't even remember that. I do remember my, I, for example, my son had a beard for a while. And, and when he shaved it, I never even noticed. I mean, you just you get used to something. <laughs> so I will, I will, I'm going to show you something here. Have you ever seen the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner? Uh, I have watched parts of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not, I mean, this movie was made years ago, so I'm not like, breaking any crazy yeah. news here but there was a post-it note that he had folded and when they went for the first draft pick he throws the post-it note and they open it up and it says this thing no matter it says blank no matter what and i won't give away to what, what it says but in that same theme people were asking me weeks before going into the tournament about who do you think who are your final four who's the team and i kept going back to houston and i kept talking about houston because Kelvin Sampson over these last couple of years, he took a step and he took another step forward. And I feel like they've been right on the cusp to be there. And now I think that this to me is the year. So I wrote before I even finished my bracket, I wrote on this napkin, these words, Houston, no, no matter, matter what. what. <laughs> so I, I am sticking with Kelvin Sampson. And uh, I have the whole time here with the Houston Cougars. They were the team I picked no matter what. I do feel good, Mike, because I did the bracket and I had a bunch of red on the on the bracket, but three out of four final four correct going into the Sweet 16, Gonzaga, Houston, and Alabama. So I, I feel good about the fact if you got 75% of your final four, I, th I think it's okay. But I wanted to share with you my Houston no matter what, because I know you would appreciate that. Oh, definitely do. They have a tough road. You know, Miami's a really good team, extremely well coached also. And if they if they get by that, they're going to play either a good Xavier or a good Texas team. So it's no it's no slam dunk, no pun intended. But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and Gonzaga will have a very tough game with a really good UConn team that's playing at, at a really high level right now. So, you know, that's going to be a tough game for Gonzaga. Uh, you know, UConn's got all the makings of a Final Four team, whether they make it or not. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, you get to this point, it's, I've always said, it's always a crapshoot. You never know. I mean, FAU is going to have an interesting game with a really good Kansas state team. And, and, the, you know, Noel is a great player. Um, so, yeah. we'll see. you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, Creighton Princeton could be an interesting game. You just never know. You never know what's, what's going to happen in these games. So anyway, um, we're looking forward to it though. I think, you know, Houston, if, if if the kids are healthy and stay healthy and don't aggravate their injuries, you know, Jamal Sheed and uh, and obviously Marcus Sasser, then 
think Houston has an excellent chance. I think they found their their mojo again in that second half. They found their yeah. their they found their identity, their DNA. You know, and uh, when they're playing like that, they're a tough team to beat. Um, but again, anything can happen. You know, and it's it's been a beautiful tournament. We're here with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, to speak on the present and the future, because you had an interesting place as commissioner seeing Memphis go up against FAU in the round of 64, the eight versus nine, as you have a team that's been a part of the emergence and rise of the American. And then you have FAU that is going to be part of the expansion of the American. They go up against each other, play a tight game, an awesome game, a close game, questionable call at the end. It's a call that, and it takes nothing away from FAU at all because they had to make the layup. They had to do those things. But I go into to that Memphis call. You and I talked about it off the air. Talked about it on the show a lot. One of the worst calls I've seen. I was told that those officials did not move on after that round. As we got a Memphis player on the ground. Memphis is up by a point on the ground with the ball. Two players come running at the official who's looking at the ball and scream in his ear timeout. He does not award the timeout. The players get tied up. Obviously, the longer the players on the ground, there's other people that get involved. He calls a jump ball, possession arrow FAU, and with under three seconds to play, they get a layup, and Memphis loses by a point. So it's bittersweet, I'm sure, for you as a commissioner with Memphis there, FAU coming in, and for one team to move on based on a questionable call. So I understand the Memphis fans that are upset because they have every reason to be with the call that was not called correctly. And at the same time, FAU has had a terrific run. So it's there's beauty, and then there's a little bit of pain with going with what Memphis went through. Yeah, there's no question, uh, Dan. You know, I, for clarity's sake, I mean, I was rooting all in for Memphis. You know, in our league, FAU is not in yet, right? And so I was absolutely rooting for Memphis. Was no, you know, there's no ambivalence whatsoever. Uh, and I was I was not happy with that final call. It happens, you know. Officials make mistakes. It's just seen. You know, to me, when I watched the call, you know, the, the fella had the ball pretty clear for a while. You know, I don't think my eyes were deceiving me. And therefore, I would think that those timeout, timeouts would have been picked up. Because you're right, it was, it was a little while before the other guys finally be, were able to get in to claim a jump ball. So it happens. Uh, you know, Memphis, unfortunately, threw an errant pass. And that was a, a, a key key play. You know, they had the ball with 15 seconds left. And, and uh, so... You know, during the game, there was probably some things they'd like to have back. You know, it's not – what you do is you can't let a game fall into the official's hands at the end, whether it's an umpire, whether it's a referee in football, whether it's an official in basketball. you got to try to make sure that that's not an issue because officials are like players. You know, they do make mistakes, and it, it happens, you know. And in, in that one, although I don't – you know, I don't even know whether the NCAA issued a statement after that or not. But And I had no idea what happened to the officials or didn't happen to them. I mean, I just understand that these things happen. And as far as FAU, though, now I'm all in for them. Obviously, I'm very I'm thrilled with what they've done since. I thought they were a good team when they played Memphis. I thought Memphis uh, should have won the game, but I thought, you know, FAU was a really good team. And now they've proven it. I mean, they've then gone on and won two other games against good opposition, good good teams. You know, Tennessee, they weren't expected to beat Tennessee and had to come back, you know, got behind. Uh, really good team. And uh, Brian White's done a nice job with that program. Dusty Mays, terrific coach, and he's got a lot of charisma. hope he stays. Hope he stays at FAU. Yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. But no, I'm all in for them now. And uh, it's you know again, uh, Houston, same thing. I'm all in, even though they're leaving the conference after this year. I, I, I just 
be great if they could bring home a title. That would be wonderful. I think it'd be a great legacy for this conference, a great legacy for them. I, you know, you know my feelings toward Calvin Sampson. I just love him. He's great. He's just a yeah. terrific person as well as a coach. He's created a tremendous family atmosphere. His wife, Karen, you know, his daughter, Lauren, his son, Kellen. I mean, it's, it's really a great environment for those kids at Houston. I think they do appreciate how lucky they are to be playing in that kind of environment for a coach like Kelvin. So I'm just, you know, he's been one of the biggest supporters of our league right to the end, even when they knew they were leaving. So I'm yeah. thrilled and I hope uh, obviously they can bring it home. But as you know, it's, you just never know in single elimination. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and you, you mentioned, I mean, FAU coming into the conference and <clears throat> Dusty May and what he's done. The team hasn't been, a division one basketball team for as long a time as others, you know, we're talking about nineties to now, and they'd only made the NCAA tournament one other time. This was their first NCAA tournament win first sweet 16 first trip to the elite eight. There's a lot of firsts that are happening with FAU and dusty may. And I love that their student athletes were in the post game last night that, that I was in and, and said, you know, very clearly you can't count us out anymore. You know, you can't sit here and say that we're not a good team, that we can't do it, that we're not capable. So I think, you know, looking at the health of the future of the American, albeit this is, you know, a Conference USA year for FAU, to know that there's so much history being created with this program right now and that the world is looking at FAU has got to be exciting for you when you do look down the road to the future. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. And uh, and and they they really are an exciting, you know, fun team and very talented. You know, uh, I think they've been under the radar a bit in this tournament, Dan, because of what FDU did at the, around the same time. Right. Yeah. The stunning upset over Purdue uh, that and then there were some and then, you know, even the Memphis game, you know, didn't get the kind of attention it normally would have gotten. Um, you know, last night you had some incredible basketball with K-State and Michigan State. A classic. You also had a classic with Gonzaga, UCLA. You know, I mean, I just yeah. couldn't believe the finish on that one. And uh, so you get some stuff that tends to overshadow what what they've done a little bit. But maybe now that they're in the you know elite eight, people will will take note of them, and uh, we'll see. But yes, it's uh, the fact that they're coming into the conference, and it's an unexpected bonus for us to, to see a program that that is 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 that good. Now, having said that, you know. Uh, even if the coach should leave, we hope he doesn't. You know, we know there's been speculation already about possible jobs because, you know, he's he's obviously emerged. Um, you're right. You said it earlier. They are building a program now that's gotten real attention, and that's going to help them. That's going to help them recruit a coach. That's going to help them with, you know, with recruits. It's going to help them in a lot of ways to do what they've done. And uh, that's it's thrilling for us. You know, and, you know, Charlotte won the CBI, and I know the CBI doesn't uh, – you know, doesn't get a lot of attention, but they've got everybody back and a really good coach. And, and, you know, the same thing with some of our other programs. So we're pretty excited about the basketball. As I said to you earlier, uh, you know, we, uh, we didn't know we were bringing in five pretty darn good basketball schools. You know, we, we focused on, on football and we're hoping we'd have good basketball as well. We knew UAB and North Texas did. Uh, and we knew Charlotte 50 years ago had, had, you know, run to the final four. So there was a history there. But we didn't know about FAU and we didn't, you know, UTSA will have to build a program. And I think they will because they're all in and they're willing to invest. That's the other thing, Dan, I'll close this segment with the fact that these schools all are anxious to get into the conference and they're anxious to invest. You know, they understand the DNA of the conference and they want to win. 
and football and basketball. Football, obviously, primarily because that's what drives everything in this in this day and age. But basketball, look, I love college basketball, and uh, you know, I, I think what's happened to it over the last twenty years is kind of unfortunate. You know, the way that football's tended to totally predominate. I love football too, but yeah. um, it's just what it's what it is. But the point is, basketball is very important to us, men's and women's. And we'd like to do well in that sport. And I think it's important it bolsters your, you know, your status as an elite conference. You know, we're branding now as a power conference. We're getting away from the, the whole P5, G5 business. So anyway, where we are. Now, and you, you talked about Charlotte, you know, UNC Charlotte coming in, the 49ers to the conference and just winning the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational. Doesn't get as much publicity, but it is still a championship and it is still here in the postseason. So now that Charlotte has officially finished their final season in Conference USA in basketball as a champion, that has to be something that you're excited about. Like you said, most of the team coming back. Yeah, I think so. And Mike Hill's great AD. You know, obviously he's hired a good coach. Uh, I'm also excited for them in football. I know in football they're going to be much more a work in progress. But, um, you know, Biff Pogee is going to just, I think, do great things there. You know, he's dynamic. Uh, he's done a great job uh, helping out uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I think he's going to be a home run for them. And uh, I think they did make an unconventional hire because I think that's what they needed to do. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased with, again, how these schools are approaching coming into our conference. Nobody is simply uh, gliding in. You know, they all want to accomplish something. North Texas has the resources. They've spent money. They built tremendous facilities. You know, UAB has the brand new stadium. Rice has a, a huge endowment, and, and, and you know they're they're spending money to get their programs in shape. Uh, Jose Cruz is now their baseball coach. Remember, they have a great baseball pedigree as well as you know Rice. And uh, I think overall, everybody now with FAU, Tom Herman. I mean, once we saw that, we were all saw FAU's been a tremendous. You know, I, I kudos to Brian White. You know, a tremendous surprise. You know, all of a sudden, you hired Tom, Tom Herman, who you know is going to be a winner. And then you have a, a Dusty May situation with a great basketball program. Uh, not something we necessarily uh, obviously knew at the time, but we knew we knew they were a program that we should have in the league if we were going to go to 14 teams because they have the facilities, they have the location, they, they've shown they had the desire when they had Lane Kiffin and they were winning and they hired Willie thinking that he could do the same thing. It didn't quite happen. So we knew that they, they had the, the – what I, what I said earlier, the right DNA, yeah. but we didn't expect this. It's, it's, it's tremendous. Yeah. You know, and we look at this here with the commissioner of the American athletic conference, Mike Oresco, you know, to, to see beyond that. So you see the success and what Memphis has done this year, what Houston has done this year, what FAU for the future is doing for the conference, Charlotte with winning the CBI. And then you go to the NIT and in, in half of the final four in the NIT, 50% of the final four in the NIT this year for men's basketball, future schools coming into the American Athletic Conference. North Texas will take on Wisconsin. UAB will take on Utah Valley. And so there's a chance that North Texas and UAB could be playing each other for the championship for the NIT, which would mean that whoever wins, you have the number one team and the runner-up team both being teams that are coming into the American Athletic Conference. So we could see this year Charlotte winning the CBI, UAB or North Texas winning the NIT, 
and then you have Houston still in the conference right now, and you have FAU coming into the conference. So at every level of Division One postseason tournaments, we're looking at either American Athletic or future American Athletic teams, which is very incredible. And and going back into history, when there's been expansion and different moves going on, I don't know how many conferences can boast of current teams and future teams all vying for CBI, NIT, and NCAA championships. Yeah, probably not many, if any. And uh, it, it points up how silly the whole power thing is, right? You know, to say non-power, this is a, a non-power conference. What I, it, it's just a ridiculous statement, you know. And, and unfortunately, that's the kind of nomenclature that uh, we've been we've been uh, we've had to get used to, and, we, and we're fighting it now. I, I couldn't agree more. And by the way, you know, Memphis. We we thought we had a chance to have Memphis and Houston in the Final Four, and if Memphis had gotten by FAU, they could well be there, as you know. Penny's done a fine job with that program. Uh, they got another star-studded recruiting class coming in. In addition, they'll have a smattering of, of important transfers like, like everybody does. But they really matured as a program and as a team this year. It's just a shame what happened to them because uh, they, too, could have gone a long way. So it, we're, we're in good shape. I, you know, Look, first of all, we've, we've uh, hired a lot of new coaches who I think are going to elevate their programs, you know, uh, you look at, at, at what Mike Schwartz did at uh, ECU and you look at what uh, Ron Hunter's done at, at Tulane. Now you've got a new coach at uh, Tulsa. We think is going to do great things. He, you know, this year was just getting his feet wet. Same thing at SMU. You got Penny, Wichita State now obviously hired Paul Mills and you know what he's done at Oral Roberts. You know, uh, Arthur Johnson, the AD at Temple will hire a great coach. Arthur wants to win and, and he'll hire a great coach. And that's an important program. Look at the pedigree of, of Temple. My goodness, going back to, uh, the Cheney years and all the great teams they've had. Yeah. And, you know, you've got uh, USF is going to hire a new coach and uh, th- that'll energize that program. So the incumbents are doing their share too. And you're going to now have, they're going to be uh, pushed by the new people coming in. It's a, I think it's a good combination. I'm, I'm very optimistic about the future of the conference. I really am. And I, I you know, I, 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 I was happy to get the expansion done when we did, but I don't think I was quite as, as sanguine about our future because you just didn't know, right? You just didn't know what, what the newcomers would bring. And a lot of our incumbents were struggling. We knew how important Houston and Cincinnati and UCF had been, but there's no reason why um, our incumbent schools who challenged those schools throughout the 10 years and, and often prevailed can't continue to do it. And the new guys could continue uh, to do what the uh, the three leaving did, you know, build their program. UCF was 0-12 in 2015, right? Houston's been up and down. Cincinnati, too. That's not to, you know, they had many years when they weren't successful. So the question then, not to denigrate those programs in any way, but the, uh, you know, the uh, the schools we have in this conference have competed and will compete. Yeah, you know, and, and that's and that's the beauty of it is is knowing that you can make, you know, this announcement and say, I mean, we, we could be saying, you know, CBI champion entering the conference, NIT champion entering the conference. NCAA champion or NCAA final four or elite eight, whatever that may be entering the conference. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to be had by that. And you could say, Hey, we bid adieu to Houston, the NCAA champion. So there's, there's a lot of, at least, you know, through my viewfinder focus on what the American is and what the American will be and the excitement around that. And, you know, I mean, when you pick these schools, and you strategic, strategically kept yourself in Houston with Rice and then, you know, put yourself in another part of Texas, in North Texas with Denton. And then, you know, obviously in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of the fastest growing cities, which is a huge part of it with UNC Charlotte. 
FAU with UCF coming out, you bring in FAU. And so you have that Florida market and that continued connection there. And then you have, you know, Texas, San Antonio with UTSA, you have Alabama with UAB. There's, there's a lot to be said about strategically picking these schools. But like you said, you looked at football and now you're gaining all of this basketball. I mean, it has to be exciting. And like you said, there's still conference USA and you're going for Houston and you're going for Memphis, but to know that this is your future, you're a leader and you know about promotion and you know about, you know, obviously trying to find the right message. And I would think that when you do have media days for basketball, it's pretty clear that there's a very positive message that you're going to be sending about the future of this conference. Oh, without question, uh, Dan. And, and, you know, we do promote, but we promote based on achievement and we have achieved, you know, let's not forget Tulane winning the, uh, the cotton bowl in, in dramatic fashion and, and eight out of 10 years in those games, winning four of them and should have won a fifth, as you know, and we're competitive in every single one of them and basketball. We've been kind of a, uh, Snake bit, but uh, you know, uh, we've been. Excuse me, Dan. I, you know, I was getting a call there. I had to uh, decline. Uh, the point is, we uh, we've been competitive in uh, you know in all our games and in basketball, we've been snake bitten because we've had a lot of good teams and we've come darn close. We did make the final four, the Elite Eight. We won a national championship when UConn was in the conference. We won three women's when UConn was in the conference. So we've done a lot there. Now, in terms of the new schools, you know, Dan, when we chose them, it wasn't random. You know, we looked at programs that we thought had the uh, wherewithal to invest, had the ability, had the resources, were in the right places, cared about the sports that we cared about. You know, when you look at a UTSA and what they were doing in San Antonio and the fan base they've created and the football program that they have. And then when you look at North Texas, and I saw their practice facilities firsthand, um, you know, after we took them and I knew that I knew about them, I'd heard. Um, it is spectacular what they've done up there. And we knew they were competitive. We knew what UAB had done. Uh, we knew that Charlotte, like you said, fastest growing region, one of the fastest growing in the country, a banking center. We knew they cared. I knew their AD. See, I, some of these, uh, we knew we knew uh, Ren Baker, even though he's now at West Virginia. We knew yeah. Ren committed. Ren was an old Mem Memphis guy. Um, you know, I knew Mark Ingram. I talked to Mark Ingram many times over the years. I knew how committed he was. Um, you know, at UAB, I, I you know Brian White, I knew quite well. Uh, I knew Mike Hill from his days working with Jeremy Foley. You know, I didn't know Lisa Campos, but I could see what they were doing. And and Joe Carlgaard and I have known each other for a long, long time. And when they said they were ready, seriously, to invest and, and to join our league, I, I took them at their word, and I, I know I'm right. And so we, we took schools. And by the way, somebody did a study, Dan. I, I can't remember what the name of it was. But we Somebody could find it and said, look. Which are the schools that are, are the ones that could step up in Conference USA, for example? Which are the ones that, that you know, have the wherewithal, spend the money, invest, you know, have the this and that? Yeah. Those six schools were right there at the top, you know. And again, we weren't sure we wanted to go to 14. I don't know which schools we would have decided not to take. As you know, we did want to fortify our, our position in Texas. We absolutely think that's a, an important you know, it's just an important territory to dominate. And, you know, we're in there, obviously, with the SEC and the Big 12. But the point is, we have a big stake in Texas, and that was important. And we're in great markets. You know, it's nice to get Houston again with, with Rice. And if they develop their programs, people will follow them. So we'll see what happens. But very optimistic. Yeah, you know, and, and you bring it up, uh, Ren Baker, when him and I spoke with him at North Texas, now he's at West Virginia, you know, he had said to me, 
that he remembers being in a room with you and having, you know, like there was a drawing board and you said, I think we're going to call it the American. And you were kind of talking about stuff and whatnot. And he told me about remembering those moments from the beginning stages. And then Mark Ingram told me, Hey, listen, the first time around, we could have been taken by the American, but we weren't ready and we had to get ready. And they took it upon themselves when they felt like they weren't prepared to make that move that he's done so much in his time there so that if you came calling again, he would be prepared for that. So I think it's really unique stories that, you know, Ren remembers being, you know, connected with Memphis and seeing the original drawing board, so to speak, for the American. And at the same time that Mark Ingram said, hey, you know, it's not that there couldn't have been interest in the past, but we knew we got passed over because we weren't prepared and we're prepared this time. No question. And there were some schools that, that called us and said, we're just not ready to spend the kind of uh, money that you need spent to build a program. You know, we're just not, you know, we'd like to be, but we're not. And, uh, you know, we had, you know, se several dozen schools that had an interest in us. Of course, it's a, it's a pecking order. You know what this is, Dan, you know, and uh, it's the same thing with all that speculation about the so-called P5. That's why I'm trying to get rid of that nomenclature. And, you know, I don't know whether I'm tilting at windmills or not, but I think, I think we've made some progress already in that regard. It's not, it's harmful to college athletics. You know, that it tends to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but yeah. same thing goes for conferences that are perceived below us, right. In terms of wanting to be in our conference. I, I think we've established an excellent niche as a competitive uh, success driven conference uh, that creates cohesion, even though we, we may have some disparate schools, right? We have some different kinds of schools in our conference. We're a lot more geographically cohesive, though, Dan, now than a lot of conferences are when you really think about our, our you know, our, our kind of lower south, southwest membership for the most part. But, you know, we're proud to have Temple and we're proud to have East Carolina and we're proud to have the Florida schools. But even they're not that far away from our other schools relative to but you see with the Big Ten now, uh, cross country, you see from, you know, northern uh, New York State where you are to, uh, you know, to Miami, to northern Washington, all the way down to, uh, you know, Arizona. It's not like there isn't geographical distance among all the conferences now. Not that there wasn't before because the Pac-12 footprint hadn't really changed. But it was always a pretty vast footprint. Yeah. Uh, ACC's has, the Big Ten's has, and the Big 12 has. I mean, you go up to Cincinnati now, you go over to U, UCF, you know, you, you've got and BYU. So you, you now have, you know, very, very far-flung conferences. And we're, we're far more geographically cohesive than maybe people thought we were originally. You know, and you bring that up in a couple points before I let you go. American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Uh, Mike, when you talk about that, I actually did a few months ago, you know, I, I thought I was doing like almost like a meteorologist when the, with the screen next to me, but I was doing geography instead of meteorology. And so I had the conferences up on the map. And as I was doing that, I had where each conference was and what was going on with each conference as far as who was taking what. And I circled where the SEC was, which was the Southeast, but then, you know, out to Texas. So South, Southeast. And then I circled where the Sun Belt was and I circled where the American was. And I, I realized something that with your conference, you have stayed pretty true, like you said, to a certain area. And I was doing the other conferences or like here, but then over here and then here, but then over there. You stayed in that kind of SEC footprint area, which I think if we look at the Sun Belt, we look at the SEC and we look at the American 
those conferences are staying true to us to a certain area which is a very smart area so you brought it up but i actually mapped it out months ago and showed everybody physically the american athletic conference is a lot more cohesive than a lot of these other conferences out there yeah it's it's an interesting aspect to that dan um when we started, as you know, we were considered, we consider ourselves a conference of opportunity, right? Yeah. We had schools that either didn't have a home or had lost a home or, you know, the Big East imploded. And, and so we, we knew we weren't a typical geographically based conference that had been around for literally 100 years. But if you look at the way the conference has evolved and the teams we've taken, there's a reason we're in that region. And that's where people care about football. That's where people care about basketball. That's where people care about their programs and are willing to invest and where the recruits are. I mean, look, we're in Texas. We're in Louisiana. You know, we're in Oklahoma. We're in, uh, we were in Ohio. You know, we're in Florida, I mean, Alabama. These are hotbeds for what we're trying to accomplish. And that's why we're there. And, you know, we Temple was in the old Big East and, and joined us. And so they're obviously a little bit of a, geographical outlier, although middle Atlantic, not that far. East Carolina fits our profile nicely, even though they're a little further away and uh, the two Florida schools, but we're, we're in places where we, we need to be and where it's not surprising that there are schools that would fit our conference profile in those places. And that was pretty much true at the beginning of the conference in many respects. Now it's even more true because we've had to evolve and and reassemble ourselves again. Well, and the good thing about it too is, reuniting some of these schools that were in conference usa now in the american you have some rivalries with that you have rivalries in florida you have rivalries in north carolina you have rivalries in texas so you are becoming a conference that is evolving into this world of it's not a bunch of random as we feel has happened with realignment there are geographical places that are going to recruit against each other they're going to have some rivalries they're not going to be that far away which is a good thing, especially with a lot of these teams coming in. Uh, before before we wrap up, I have to ask, this, ask you this on the media side of things. I've been very patient for the face-to-face media stuff, as many of us have been. I know we went through COVID, and then, you know, with teams leaving and teams coming in, I could totally understand as a conference how, you know, you, you say, well, let's wait to do the in-person to where we actually know what this conference is going to be. So football-wise... Can we plan on being in Irving, Texas? And will there be anything done on site for basketball? Well, yeah, both sports. We're back to in-person uh, meetings, uh, especially now. You know, we, we have a reinvented conference. We have a lot of new faces. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be in the Irving area, probably in Irving. We, we've got some good locations we're scouting out for our football media day, and we'll do the same for basketball. Absolutely. We'll be in person again. This year, we felt uh, that we didn't need to be. We, we thought, you know, we, uh, we can save some money. You know, we, we have people who, you know, still were COVID was pretty much over, as you know. But the, the point is, we still decided that ultimately this year didn't didn't make sense necessarily to have an in-person. But uh, next year, for sure. And I think in the future, we'll be in person in those uh, those meetings. I, I think that's one where same thing with our annual meeting. We were in person this past year and yeah. we will be again, although this year we'll do even a bigger a bigger meeting uh, with all the new people coming in. We want everybody to get to know each other, but in the future, yes, uh, barring another pandemic, God forbid, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll all be together again. And can we look at potentially 
the reemergence of the teleconference where we can actually connect outside of media day with the conference's coaches for basketball and or football? Absolutely. Yeah. No question about it. Yep. Absolutely. So some good news. And incidentally, Dan, you know, we hope to have uh, really strong attendance by the media at, at our uh, media days in part, you know, we have four schools in Texas, right. We have schools right up the road in in Oklahoma and and in, uh, you know, Louisiana and and in Memphis. So we were hoping that we get a good media contingent. As you know, the media hadn't traveled quite as much with cost cutting and all the things been going on in that world. But we think that we should have a very, very strong attendance, just like our college basketball men's and women's tournaments in Fort Worth. We think that that we're going to lose Houston and they brought fans, no question. And and they're a big program. But, you know, we, we think at this point that with four schools in Texas and with, um, you know, uh, some really good programs among those schools and with Memphis having a top program and with Ron Hunter doing what he's done at, you know, at Tulane and, and obviously with Tulsa having a new coach, that's going to spark excitement and Wichita state, you know, how many fans they would bring. Uh, yeah. So we think we're going to we're going to see good attendance also at our men's and women's tournaments in Fort Worth as well. So, again, uh, excited about that. And we'll see where all that goes. And coming from the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. A lot of positives right now in the present, a lot of things to build on for the future and a lot of excitement for the American Athletic Conference. Thank you, Mike, for sharing all this good news. I know a lot of people are watching this. They're very happy now to hear this news. So. Congratulations on the success of the conference and what's to come. And as always, I appreciate your time. Well, as usual, Dan, thanks for having me. Thanks for your support uh, of the conference and your willingness to you know, talk to me. And, and we discuss these things and, you know, been a lot of turbulence, but there's been a lot of optimistic things happening, too. So it's it's renewal. It's change. It's a lot of different things going on. But in the end, I think we're in a good place. And, you know, you don't know that from from you know year to year anymore in college athletics. Pretty pretty tough business these days, but uh, thanks again for having me. Appreciate it very much and have a great enjoy the games tonight. Yeah, you too. And and I think that selfishly you, uh, you chose the best barbecue spots to have in your conference as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Thanks Mike. Thanks Dan. Take care. Yeah.